Welcome to Getting a Grip. On the Michigan Business Network, I am your host, Mike Maddox. I'm glad that you have chosen to spend part of your day with us. We, of course, on this program, Getting a Grip, talk about EOS and getting healthy, getting aligned on vision, getting traction in your business. And we love to talk to business leaders and executives who have experienced that real time. So I'm super excited to have Rachel Machado as my guest today. She's a president and COO of the Gillespie Group. Rachel, thanks for being on. Yes. Good morning, Mike. Thank you for having me. So I've been really excited to talk to you. Gillespie is a well-known company in mid-Michigan, but lots of our listeners are probably from outside the area. Let's just start with, if you're not familiar with Gillespie, can you give us just an overview of the Gillespie Group and what you all do? Sure. I'd love to. I'm pretty passionate about what we do here, so thank you for the opportunity Gillespie Group itself was founded back in 1994. So actually, fun fact, about June of this year, we are celebrating our 30-year anniversary. It's pretty exciting. I have been here for my 27th year with Gillespie Group. So it was founded by Pat Gillespie, and he went to MSU, actually received his degree in building construction management from MSU, and had a real itch for real estate. And I always back up a little bit because one of the things I think is really unique about really successful entrepreneurs is I think that they are visionaries and entrepreneurs first and passionate that it's sort of like they could almost go anywhere and be highly successful as long as they put that passionate energy to- towards it. And real estate just ended up being the recipient, I think, of where Pat took that vision and his entrepreneurial love. So when we started in that would have been, yeah, 94. His mission at the time, Mike, was, you know, he had some family that had built multifamily and he thought, boy, if if I could just secure some portion of land and build about 40 to 48 units a year for the next, you know, maybe 20 years, he will have built a wonderful and impressive portfolio of assets that would provide some wealth and some long-term security for his family. So here we are just about 30 years later, and I'm thrilled to say that we have well surpassed our visionary's initial goal and continue to throw that stick just a little bit further as we challenge ourselves to what else is next. But ultimately, who we are, so I talk about our core, our core focus is we are a, we're really driven by creating positive change in whatever community we are in. And we happen to do that through creative real estate solutions. Yeah, that's a great point. And you touched on it a minute ago, not to interrupt, I want to continue to hear the story. And I think our listeners need to hear it because for those of us that live, that are fortunate enough to live in mid-Michigan, we know the impact that Gillespie Group has had on this community and the transformative nature of the work you do. But, you know, it starts with a cause bigger than just real estate or construction or development. It's about doing something bigger, creating positive solutions, right? And You're right. Real estate happened to be the recipient. That's where you landed, but it could have been anywhere, but it happened to be there. That's such an important point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So now 30 plus years in, well surpassed Pat's Mm -hmm. original vision. Yeah. You know, where are you today? You know, I know there's a lot going on. Great. Yeah. Thanks for asking. And And I love it. I'll kind of piggyback on that. The visionary, I just think it's so powerful. And I think there are so many. I love that actually even the world of academia is starting to celebrate entrepreneurialism because, you know, it's a different way of thinking. It's a different way of seeing things. So today I'm proud to say that we have assets under management of just over $400 million. And we have our core target is to be a $500 million organization by 2026. And 
When we said that, we all said it seven years ago, like, boy, it seemed like I felt like we threw that stick maybe just a little too far. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll tell you what was really interesting is while that was our core target, our core focus, again, was to create positive impact and change. And that's really when we started to hone in and focus so much on the downtown Lansing area. And, you know, being born and raised here, Pat, absolutely going to resurrection and being living really in the core of Lansing, Michigan, our capital city. I grew up right on the outskirts. We kind of started to look around and there were developers all over the place doing great, very impactful projects in Detroit area, Grand Rapids, some of the suburbs out there. And we sort of scratched our head and said, why not here? You know, why aren't we using our Michigan Avenue corridor differently? Why aren't we looking at, you know, the veins that move in and out of our city differently? Our community deserves it. You know, all of the people that we want to attract and retain deserve it and they're craving it. So we really went to work there. And yes, absolutely. It has to make financial sense. But I will tell you, it is not energizing and not meeting our passion. Really are thinking long and hard about if we're going to put time into it anymore. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And the impact goes well beyond just the units and the development. And, you know, for communities like Lansing, what the development has done is it creates a foundation for people to want to live and work and reside and build businesses and entrepreneurial endeavors in this community. And so you really are not able to truly measure the full impact. I mean, because you'll never know. But it has definitely had a massive impact. So as a member of the community, we appreciate very much what you do. And in that story, Rachel, you talked about the seven-year target. And (laughs) man, I thought we threw the stick too far. And I think a lot of EOS companies do that. They put their 10-year or their seven-year or their five-year, whatever it is. And they think, wow, that is way out there. And I hear that a lot where they're (laughs) like, and then we achieved it, right? It was like, holy cow. So when did you start running EOS within the Gillespie Group? When did that begin? Give me a sense of how that started. So seven years ago. So we are seven years in, and I remember it so well. I actually took the book. Somebody sent me the book, Traction. And at the same time, I think Jim, our implementer, so Jim Coyle, had reached out. And I think more of a cold call or somebody had given him, referred Pat's name or Gillespie Group's name. And I took the book on vacation. My kids were a little bit younger. We were at all-inclusive. I'm an absolute junkie on leadership books and system books, and I feed off that. So I'm thumbing through it, and I'm sitting poolside, absolutely loving you know, a little getting some vitamin D, and I am taking pictures page after page, and I'm sending them to Pat going, oh, my God, this is who we are. This is what we need. This is the swirl that we're in. You know, you're a visionary. I'm an integrator. And I actually remember, Mike, feeling so passionate and so connected when it described what an integrator was. My title at the time, I think, was maybe vice president or whatever it was. And that didn't evoke an emotion for me. That didn't, you know, trigger me. I read about an integrator and then I read about visionary and the power of the coming together. I could not wait. I mean, I had pages of notes. I had been taking pictures. And we came back and set up that, you know, the 90-minute proven process presentation with yeah. who now is our implementer. And I remember Jim came in and all the promises he made, I thought, all right, what a sales pitch. But we decided <sighs> to give it a whirl. And we haven't turned back. We just haven't turned back. So, yeah, seven years in. And I think that we still have more to learn and more opportunities to grow, even as an EOS organization. 
That's fantastic. And yeah, Jim Coyle, for those that don't know, if you're around the U.S. community, you know, is one of our expert implementers and trainers and has now gone on to be one of the more prominent and successful you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of sessions in now. Oh, um, I would imagine. He has videos online for other implementers like me that we watch periodically mm-hmm. that um, are super helpful. So he continues to give back even to the implementer community. So that's a great story. And yeah, you're right. I mean, when you do that 90-minute session, and I do them all the time, the transformative nature of EOS almost sounds to the business like it's too good to be true. And I'll get that reaction. And yet, business after business that I meet, client that I've worked with after client, my own experience in my own company in Lansing, and then the company that I ran that was a multinational, all say the same thing. It works. This process works because it's not groundbreaking new stuff. It's fundamental business truths that are put together in a holistic system that can be managed, that can be run within the business. And man, you touched on something else, Rachel, which is understanding that you're an integrator. That light bulb went off for you in reading the book. Yeah, um, right away. And the Pat's a visionary. Mm-hmm. That's so cathartic. And I remember that moment for myself when I went, that's mm-hmm. who I am. That's how, mm-hmm. how I'm wired. <laughs> and then the two together, if that dynamic, we call it rocket fuel. And it sounds like yeah. that's what you and Pat experienced once you launched it. Yeah. You know, we had worked together for so long. Pat and I have a really, I think we're really fortunate in the fact that when Gillespie started, you know, in the infancy of our organization, we worked together. So we had spent all of these years building the infrastructure and everybody, you know, wearing every hat that there possibly was. When I started working with Pat, there were three of us. So we were doing everything. And then we started to build the organization. We had a construction division, development division, management division, and throughout the year started to refine really where we wanted to focus our time and attention. And Pat had started actually with strategic coach. So Dan Sullivan's strategic coach. And then I actually went in as well. Pat is still a strategic coach student, if you will. And I took about three to four years off in in the middle of really working on the EOS system. I felt that was where my commitment was as the integrator. And now I'm going back because I still love to tap on my entrepreneurial desires and so forth. And I think that I can start to work in that bigger 20,000 feet overview for different divisions of our, our organization. But it really, you said it perfectly. It's so carstotic. I felt like somebody on page whatever got me, you know? Yeah. And I thought when I sent it to Pat, I thought he was like, yes, this is what I've been trying to tell you, Rachel, like through strategic coach, I'm an entrepreneur and, you know, eating the elephant is your job. I'm just going to give it to you. You know, I've got the vision and help me get there. And yeah, it's great. And again, I go back to like, you know, one of the things we talk about is like, what's really important in my view of how EOS is impactful. And I think the relationship of the visionary and integrator absolutely is sets the tone because it's not just always high fives. It is tough conversations. It is push and pull. It is frustrations and things of that nature. So if you don't have a trusting and authentically open, honest, and trusting relationship, I could see how quickly it can go the wrong way. And Pat and I have been fortunate to have that. It's a concept that's foreign to a lot of entrepreneurs. And when I meet with them for the first time, I talk about the integrator having the ability to tell the visionary no. And you know, I sometimes add the visionary has the ability to fire the integrator. So there's a reciprocity right. there. Right. But if it's done in a healthy way, if that foundation of trust is there and healthy conflict exists, the integrator protects the organization. And I know as a visionary for my company, ASK, 
that before EOS, unintentionally, I was drowning my own company because I had too many ideas that I was hitting them with and I had too many new directions I was taking them in and there was a lack of clarity. And as a visionary type, I didn't want to dive into the weeds. I didn't want to get into the details. I didn't want to do the follow through. And so there was chaos and it was good chaos. I mean, we were growing, we were successful, but it was chaos nonetheless. And when we really learned, my integrator, Scott and I really learned to work together in that healthy, like you said, not always kumbaya, but sometimes tough conversations, sometimes frustration, right. but we learned to work together on in that way, the organization really did experience rocket fuel. It became yeah. you know, self-propelling, and as a visionary, I had to learn to let go. Scott, as an integrator, had to learn to say no, to keep us true to our 90-day plan, but you do learn it. It's not easy, but yeah. you learn it. I'm really glad you brought that up. I don't think anybody on the podcast has talked about that before, but if you're an entrepreneur out there in EOS and you're struggling with that aspect, read Rocket Fuel first. That's a really good start. And then talk to your implementer about how do you get that if you don't have Mm -hmm. it. So I'm really glad you brought that up. It sounds like that was going to be my next question. It's been transformative for you personally as well. And just identifying how you're wired and what you're great at and what your love and great is. And getting you into that box. Yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, I think once you, you know, I think everybody in kind of the world, you can see it out there. They're looking for that space that they feel like somebody or something, you're in a space that gets you and you get to act in your authentic self. And it did. It's been so impactful for me personally as well. And it gave me a system and a tool to start to actually write down my own personal. You know, I set out 10-year targets for the family. I'm sure that my children at the age were like, what are we doing? But, you know, it was really getting intentional around what was going to be important to me. You know, what were our core values? Was it family, time together, travel, our financial health, you know, wherewithal, the empowerment of our children getting out and being you know, good community citizens, but still carrying their own weight out there. And, but again, I think I mentioned that earlier, these are the types of things they just, you know, I'm fueled by them. I'm fueled by podcasts like yours, fueled by other people talking about leaning in. And, you know, we use a lot of things of how do I get to yes? And it might not be that the initial presentation or the initial idea is exactly as it's proposed, but there are nuggets in everything that we encounter in life, right from your toddler asking you, you know, for a cookie and how you can respond and create a really great moment there, you know, and yeah, personal benefit. I agree. And like you, Rachel, I use so much of EOS in my personal life and from goal setting as a family, but also just clarity breaks. I take, it's another EOS tool. I take clarity breaks. I make an issues list of personal issues, not just business. And many of them need to be IDS'd. And if you're not familiar with EOS or you're listening, identify, discuss, and solve between my wife and I. So I'll have an issues list. Now, one thing that's kind of funny in our relationship is every once in a while, we'll be having a conversation and she'll say, you're not, are you EOSing me? Like, are you IDSing right now? (laughs) And I have to play that a little cool. I'll be like, no, 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 just having a conversation. conversation. I've got my issues list on my phone down here and I'll say, "Ah." Speaking of that, I was going to ask you something else, right? And we'll start to discuss it, but it is effective. We get the real issues out. We talk about them. We come to solutions and it's been transformative on a personal level too. And the clarity break, you know, that's got to be maybe my number one favorite tool in EOS overall is just getting a way to think. Dan Sullivan calls it thinking time, right? Yeah. Just blank piece of paper, just take a breath and say, 
okay, what am I worried about? What's holding me back? What's holding us back? And to me, it's always interesting because in my head before the clarity break, it seems like 10,000 things. In reality, it's like a dozen, right? Right. It's not as big a list. And most of them are actionable. Like I can do something. I don't know if you've experienced the same. Yeah, I can tell you, hands down, we actually, again, coming off our two-day annual just last week, we all admitted that we could be better at our clarity breaks. We don't know that one, we're committing to them. And secondly, were we using them in the right way? So revisiting the purpose, you know, of those. That's where I say, you know, seven years in, we're still reminding ourselves of how powerful these tools can be so long as you're utilizing them in the right way. But I think one of the really neat things you can do, whether it's during a clarity break or in your issue through your IDS, is we really talk about the power of who. You've probably read the book, Who Not How. And yeah. certainly there are processes and hows, right, that are very important, step twos and things of that nature. But boy, the power of who is very freeing as well. You know, we've got a lot of, in entrepreneurial organizations, there's a lot of rugged individualism, you know, because typically that entrepreneur and then maybe the first couple of team members that came on board, they had to do everything themselves. They had to multitask everywhere. But as we grew, as an organization, we recognize, boy, we can really move this organization forward faster and recognize our bigger future by having the right who's on board, which of course leads back to not only our accountability chart internally, but the power of our third-party partnerships. Yeah, absolutely. Play a role on the accountability chart as well. Now, you mentioned the two-day annual for businesses that may have just started their EOS journey. They may be listening and have not had an annual planning session yet. Can you give them a little bit of context about the annual and at least how it was done for Gillespie and what you got out of it and how you formatted it? Yeah, absolutely. So Jim does facilitate that for us and we go off campus, if you will. We typically travel somewhere. This year, we actually did stay in the greater Lansing area, but it's a two-day annual planning session. And it's interesting because when we start the day one, Mike, we were like, we have so much time. We're going to get through so much of the stuff. Like the agenda looks short, but the really big piece of it that I see us come out of all the time when we lay our expectations out at front, everybody always has the same expectations. They want to have, you know, a clear understanding of the vision moving forward, what our priorities are for the year, and then, of course, break it down into the quarter. But what's really, really interesting also is when we come back at the end and we talk about our feedback, it's the team health. The connectivity of the team health, getting out of the office the day-to-day and removing ourselves from kind of removing permission to wear the busy badge and taking a deep breath and really having thoughtful conversation is so powerful. And to your point, what we end up doing is, you know, ending up with a wall full of ginormous post-its that have issues on them. And almost without even realizing it, at the end, when we're crossing off and we're saying VTO, L10, you know, solved, it's amazing how many things got solved through healthy team communication. So that's my favorite. But of course, the agenda, we have a day one, day two, as you know, the first day is truly about reviewing our previous year. How did we do? You know, again, picking up that stick and let's make sure, did we throw it far enough? Did we reach those things? We do SWOT analysis. And I feel like that's, it's one of the oldest tools and still most powerful. Super uh, powerful. We love it. Like our team gets super excited and kind of competitive running around on who can come up with the strengths and the, you know, the threats and opportunities and so forth and runs around does that. And then we revisit our core values. I mean, are we living and breathing these? And what's really 
and you can see now I get passionate about it, is how many, you know, we get our leadership team and they lean in and very powerfully, you know, are we living and breathing this? Are we hiring, firing, rewarding? And everybody very vocally and strong says, yes. And it's so neat to see that like fire because I feel like core values are those things that you have to have fierce buy-in. It will attract your group or fiercely push away those that don't want to be a part of that. And the power of core values seems so simple as well. And if I think about impact, the fact that we visit those over and over again, we've made them part of our hiring process, our review process, our need and need process, game changer. Yeah, absolutely. And man, that's, we're running up on time, but that's such a good description of the two-day annual. I couldn't say it better. And just to reiterate the ability to kind of get out of the busyness. I love that phrase. I've never heard that to take off the busy badge and just kind of come up for air and go, okay, how did we do? You know, where do we do well? What do we need to work on? Let's revisit everything from our core values to our core Mm -hmm. focus. And is that real? I mean, does that really resonate through the company? Are we walking the walk? Right. And if we're not, let's address it. And then the power of, yes, we are just, yes, that is who we are. And the alignment and the team health that comes of it. I couldn't say it better than the way you described it. I want to thank you so much for being on, Rachel. This has been truly informational. If folks are interested in learning about the Gillespie Group, what's the website address? We are at Gillespie-group.com. Gillespie-group.com. Uh, shameless plug as well. If anybody uh, listening is aware of the old Clara's restaurant in downtown Lansing, Bobcat yep. Bonnie is opening this next week. So what is that? The week of the 29th or 30th and open to the public. So we're just thrilled to have yet another wonderful hospitality. That's uh, fantastic. And that was so, your development? Yes. Yes. We that's that great. A number of years ago, um, so. If you're in the Lansing area, that's a historic site that closed yes. down. Clara's did, and it was a very sad day for those of us in mid-Michigan. Thank you for your work there. And if you're listening at the end of January 2024, because sometimes these are replayed on the blog, that's when Bobcat Bonnie's will open. Right. So go check it out. I know we'll be go down check there, it my out. wife and I. So Wonderful. thanks again, Rachel. Mike, thanks I for your time. I appreciate being on. You've been listening to Getting a Grip on the Michigan Business Network. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll catch you on the flip side. At DBI, we do office by exceeding our customers' expectations since 1984. DBI offers more products and services than any other office supply and furniture dealer in mid-Michigan. For office needs, visit dbiyes.com.